1: He's got Ferreira at the far post. Can he get a shot off? It's Ferreira to get his second! Yes, he does! Goes in off the hands of J.T. Marcinkowski. Sebas Ferreira has picked up the second. It's 4-2 Houston Dynamo. Welcome back to another episode of the Houston Dynapod podcast. I'm your host, Finn, and there's there's no Joey today. Instead, Joey's busy. Joey's at the gym working out to continue his 100-plus-pound uh, weight loss journey. Uh, with us today is the host of Kicking It With Katie, a soccer podcast, Katie Kolicker. How are you doing, Katie?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: Oh, I'm fantastic. It's raining. It's warm. It's not too bad yeah. here in Houston. How's it in your neck of the woods?
0: Um, I'm in Salt Lake and I've seen some flurries out there today. So, we, I mean, it's been snowing, but it's been great because we haven't had a winter like this. And sometimes, so, it's been uh, nice.
1: Yeah. I, I miss the snow and the cold. I just went on a great vacation a couple of weeks ago over the holiday and uh, mm-hmm. we went to Arizona and it was, we went up to the snow and it was, it was wonderful. Couldn't have had a better time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice down there when we can get down to Arizona too.
1: Yeah, I've never been to Salt Lake. I've been to St. George. I think is the furthest into Utah I've been.
0: Yeah, and that's that's a whole other yeah. Being down there in St. George is definitely different than than up here with the mountains. They've yeah. got all the red rock. They've got all the red rock and red sand and the St. George stuff.
1: Gorge. That's what I remember going through mm-hmm. the, right mm-hmm. before you get into town coming up from Vegas. Because I used to live out there. You uh, ah, it's so pretty. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't have anything like that here we have yeah, co- concrete I've, buildings.
0: Yeah. I've been to, I've been to Texas a few times for Dallas Cup and uh national championship uh, national league championships or national nationals, US Youth Nationals and my son played there. I think a year and a half ago, but I've always been in Dallas, so I've never been anywhere else, but it was so flat the first time I went, I absolutely hated it, but
1: Yeah, I understand
0: we've got the the mountains to look at everywhere. And so the whole flatness thing was new to me because other places that I've been out of Utah, you know, they have rolling hills and things like that, but it legit was so flat. I was definitely shocked.
1: Yeah. That's why so many people here think the earth is flat because (laughs) all they see is flatness.
0: Yeah, I I could understand that.
1: (laughs) So uh, how did you find our show and what brings you here? Like what's, how'd you find us?
0: Twitter? I I no, it was uh Facebook actually. So it was just something on Facebook found you guys and just through I think it was a podcasting group and just trying to connect with more soccer podcasts and do collaborations to get the word out about my new podcast. So that's kind of how we got into it and I've listened to a few of your guys' episodes so it's it's been kind of fun. So
1: So you listened to a few before you came on? So, mm-hmm. okay. So yep. I will tell you that this is gonna be very different because you know, I'm gonna to be totally PG because I know your fans are probably PG.
0: <laughs> they they are. Mine's definitely I yeah, yeah. So yes, I would be PG. Yeah, mine's definitely geared more towards the youth. And so I, I know that yours is not necessarily PG. Oh, no. So. <laughs> no.
1: And if you listen to Katie's, uh, I would not recommend listening to mine. <laughs> It's very different. It's definitely.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. But it's enjoyable. So if you're an adult and you want to, you know, listen to the Houston Dynamo stuff, that's that's interesting. So
1: yeah, we got a nice little present from you guys. Uh Corey Barrett used to play for RSL. We have him now. I don't know if you follow Yeah, Real Salt Lake yeah. at
0: all. Yeah, I do. We actually live um not like between the actual RSL stadium and the facility they have out in Harriman. So we actually live in a city between those two. So we're, we're right. I mean, literally 10, 15 minutes away from both of them.
1: Yeah. So our, it's kind
0: of, it's nice.
1: Our team is actually right in downtown. I think we are the only MLS team to have a soccer specific stadium, like right downtown, or at least we were when it was built. Maybe we were the mm-hmm. first one, but yeah, we're right downtown. You guys, you guys are outside of like downtown area of Salt Lake. You said Harriman.
0: Yeah. Um. So the stadium is in Sandy. So it's, Um it's north, isn't it? Say 20 minutes south of Salt Lake or so Salt Lake is north of Sandy and yeah, it's it's not I mean it's just right down I-15, which is the main freeway, and so it's not too bad because it's right off the freeway. But yeah, it's definitely where most of the fans are a lot of the fans, you know, residential area right around there. I actually used to live like just a few blocks away from where the stadium is now. So
1: right on. Yeah. I would love to live down by our stadium. The problem is when there's no soccer going on, it's, it's just bars. So it's not really (laughs) conducive to a healthy lifestyle.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ours is ours. Our stadium has uh, like the Utah youth soccer um, office. They built an office right across the street from the stadium. So that's been kind of nice that, they're so close. And then there's like a movie theater and the new um, owners, Ryan Smith, that, that group that does like the jazz. He, um, I think they're also, I'm trying to think if they're involved. No, I don't think they're involved in the movie theaters, but Larry H. Miller, that's who does the movie. That's who used to do the movie theater. That's right across the street. And we have an exposition center right by the stadium. So cool. It's, it's always busy there.
1: Yeah, we're it's we're just right like we're in downtown but we're we're east downtown. You mm-hmm. go like 3 blocks and you're you're in it. But slightly outside but we're still considered downtown. So mm-hmm. uh what can you tell us about you? Obviously you played soccer growing up. So tell us about yourself and how you got into soccer and all that.
0: Yeah, so I I mean my parents got me into rec soccer. My older brothers played, you know, sports, rec soccer. That's always kind of one of the first sports and feel like Parents put their kids in is soccer, you know, maybe some rec basketball or, or maybe baseball, but soccer is kind of one that a lot of people start out at here, at least. And then um I really liked it. And my older brother, that's just older than me, I have three older brothers, and two of them went on to play football. Um, And then my one brother that's just older than me, he actually went and played in college, a little bit of college soccer, but he was the one that kind of really got me liking soccer and wanting to be, I I kind of was, I want to say like his little shadow, I guess you could say, I kind of followed him around and looked up to him a lot. And he was the one that really got me into loving soccer. And then he went over to a club and they were kind of starting the girls program back in the 90s. And so I, I got on their team and played with um, that team for several years. And then I went to an independent team for a couple of years. And then my junior year of high school, I actually quit playing soccer. I decided I wasn't going to be a college athlete. That wasn't in the cards for me. I was definitely more looking towards just focusing on studies and stuff. I eventually wanted to be a lawyer. That was kind of like the dream thing. And I was a cheerleader in high school as well. And so that kind of took over my life, which is kind of funny. I remember telling my coach what, that I was going to be, I had made the cheer squad and my whole team and everybody was looking at me. They're like, you're going to what? So yeah, that's
1: not, that's not very common. Soccer players on the <laughs> yeah. cheer squad. I mean, usually yeah. it's basketball, maybe volleyball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Soccer, yeah. softball, what else? I would say no. There's a couple, There's a couple of sports that only really translate
0: yeah. Though. So, so you
1: so your junior year, you were done.
0: Yep, I, I was done. I quit playing for about 18 months, and then after I graduated, I got back into playing in co-ed leagues. I had some friends that were playing um co-ed soccer just indoor, and I started doing that. And I played that for several years until I or my ACL. So that kind of, that put a definite abash on on playing and I still haven't had surgery on it or anything. I've tried playing with it a few times and I always kind of aggravated or my knee slips out. And so my husband finally was like, you you can't play anymore until you have surgery. (laughs) So Yeah. You're
1: only going to make it worse. That's one injury I've, I've fortunately mm -hmm. never had.
0: Yeah. It's definitely, it's it's definitely been a yeah, it's a difficult one. And I, I hurt myself in like the dumbest ways, like if getting out of the car two different times. It, it, definite. I, I just stepped on it wrong. And my knee went one way and my leg went the other way. I mean, it was just not like my kids are always like, cause it's happened twice and my kids have been there and I'm like down in so much pain and they're like, what is going on? I'm like, I hurt my knee, go get your dad, you know, like, so one day, um, I will definitely have surgery on that, but, um, so I played growing up and then, um, my husband, he actually was coaching youth soccer. He started coaching out, um, well, what he brought a boys team over to the club that we're currently at, which is Sparta United here in Salt Lake, it's the oldest boys club in the state. And. He brought a team over from a rec league and he's basically been there ever since. I mean, it's been over 20 years that he's been, he's been with them. And so I've, I've always been around soccer. And then I started coaching a few years ago um, for my daughter and in the girls program with Sparta, but we have five kids and all of them play. So
1: your weekends are busy.
0: They are very busy. And it's you guys must have
1: a, a minivan that gets good gas mileage because you need it.
0: I wish. I wish. Yeah, I wish. So we we definitely and we have a lot of help because, um, it, you know, when when he's coaching and I'm coaching and they're at the games are at the same time and then our kids have games at the same time and we're not there. So we're lucky to have, you know, really good family in the area that's able to help us. You know, distribute what, where. What are the uh,
1: are. what are the age ranges of your kids? Like youngest to oldest.
0: Um, I have twins that are seven, and they're they're my youngest. And then let's see.
1: Oh God. Um. That's yeah. like I had one. I have four, and I've had one at a time. And I just remember how horrible it was with diapers with one. Mm-hmm. I can't, like when people tell me they're having twins, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Especially if it's your first yeah. go around.
0: Yeah, oh. like, I, I think if they had been our first, it would have been totally different. But by that time, um, we had five kids in five years. So we were kind of like, we're already in the thick of it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so our next one is nine. Our boys are going to be 11 and 13 in the next couple of weeks. They both have February birthdays. So they're going to be 11 and 13. Man, yeah, it's it's crazy busy and. It's, it's fun though. Cause they're all pretty close in age. So they're all pretty good friends. And
1: yeah. So you've been, you've been doing this. You've been, how long have you been podcasting?
0: I actually just started. Um, I had the idea back in August. So not much, not very long ago. And uh, I've kind of always wanted to do a podcast, but I'd never really had a topic that I wanted to do because I mean, I've listened to a lot of true crime podcasts and some sports podcasts I've listened to and um, ones that like my friends have been on and things, but uh, I hadn't really heard of any youth soccer podcasts that were geared towards actual youth players. And the, I mean, the soccer podcasts that I have listened to, and they're usually about a professional team or professional league and they don't necessarily talk about the youth development. I mean, maybe coaches, there's podcasts for like coaches or parents, but the, I really wanted to speak to the youth and wanted people to hear experiences from youth players and be able to get that, that guidance from people who've been where they are whether it's good or bad experiences but to let them know hey other people have been where you are and and things can turn out and turn around or you know whatever's going on in their things so so yeah. i i finally released a couple months ago and i'm going to be releasing my seventh episode so it's been it's been fun
1: see when i started exploring your podcast i thought that you were focusing on the role of you know the impact of parents in the youth game on their children because as a former coach and mm-hmm. a parent I can tell you right now sharing the stories of the, what we hear and see while on the sidelines of our children's games I think mm-hmm. that's some pretty pretty good selling content because I've I've seen some stuff you know
0: yeah. I mean? yeah. Oh, we've seen some, I've definitely seen some stuff too. And, and maybe in the future I can branch off and, and talk about some other things, but I've, I've had so many people and wanting to know, you know, how do we go about doing this or this specific questions of, well, what's the next step here? I joined a parent Facebook group for soccer parents and just listening to some of the questions that they have as far as where, you know, my kid's doing this. And, um, I mean, this is also, I mean, the podcast is also for parents to listen to so that they can gain experiences, you know, guidance from where other people have been as well, but it, it definitely, um, is geared more towards the youth is kind of what I want to hit on. But the, the experiences that these, parents that are currently in it right now, you know, they have their questions and some of these players that have been there can answer some of those questions, you know, cuz there's no right or wrong answer to necessarily where your player has to go cuz you know, they they want to they want to ask like, you know, what's the next step for my player? Should they go MLS next? Should they go ECL? Should they change teams? Should they be practicing? Should they get a trainer? Should they do this and, you know, some of these these players' experiences, basically saying, you know, I just played with my friends outside of practices, or some of them did get like specific trainers. Um, I just interviewed Ellie Walbrook, who is in college, and she, you know, her dad was a big integral part of her development, but she also had some soccer-specific trainers as well as physical-specific trainers, and you know, she really is wanting to accomplish a lot of these goals of playing, you know, maybe national team level. And she's already won an NCAA championship as a freshman for UCLA. So it's, it's kind of like, these are experiences and examples of people, what they did to get where they are. And that's kind of what I want people to learn from is the people who have already been there. Cause you know, parents, you know, parents can talk and they can get advice from each other, but it's really about what, what's best for the player. And and what is good for them as far as what they want because it's their experience.
1: So so on the when you're watching a game, are you a yeller or are you a listener?
0: Um, as far as being a parent,
1: as a parent, yeah, as a coach, you, you're going to have to speak. Like we all know that you're going to have right, show emotion right. and get up. But as a parent, what are you? Are you are you coaching from the sideline? Are you quiet? Like what's it like I, for you?
0: Um. So I've it was really funny. So I was at um, my twins game and this, or not my twins game. um, It was my daughter that I now coach. Um, And my husband, he hadn't really been able to be to a lot of her games. And it just happened to be a Saturday that in January that he didn't have any soccer. And so he came and watched her game. And I was like coaching from the sideline because the coach wasn't really doing much. And I was like, but they need the guidance. And he's like, but you're not the coach. And I'm like, okay, I do need to shut up because I am not the coach. And he was like, if you want to do something about it, then you need to get your license and coach. And so I did. And that's what I did. And, um, the coach at the time, um, she was pregnant and she knew she wasn't going to be coaching for very much longer because she was going to be having a baby. And so I ended up taking over that team after that year. And I mean, now after that specific experience for me, I've learned to shut my mouth and just cheer, you know? I mean, I like for my son's teams, I don't think I ever really coached from the sidelines because look, you know, they, they've got good coaches and they knew what they were doing. And, you know, sometimes it might be like run harder, or, you know, but for the most part, I, I, I to support as much as possible or just not say anything. Okay, I went to my son's game last week and I don't really think I said very much during the game. I think it cheered a little bit, you know, when we scored, but I didn't, didn't, I kept to myself for the most part other than yelling at my kids that were on the sidelines.
1: Yeah, I try to keep it positive because you know, like you yeah. said, once once you've put the shoe on the other foot and you've been on the mm-hmm. sideline managing the team and you you see the impact it can have, it's confusing for the kids. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I mean, I've I coached high school sports here at all levels, not soccer, but you know, I, I've coached in front of twelve thousand people, and uh, mm-hmm. when when you're listening to the fans, it's it is confusing for the kids. And when you go into youth soccer, mm-hmm. when there's 40 or 50 people there and you're three feet from the sideline, Mm -hmm. you know, and everybody can hear it. It's like, I've I've seen some, I'm sure you've seen parents get removed from matches. Have you not? Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's embarrassing.
0: Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. I I remember an experience at one of my brother's games, there were like four or five dads that would always go down and stand by each other. And my, my dad was one of them one time. And I call call those
1: team dads. Those are the team dads. (laughs) I sit, I sit by the end line. Alone,
0: And they, yeah. And they, um, one of the dads yelled something out at the ref at one point and the ref stopped the game and said, you know, you need to leave whoever said it. Cause he didn't know who had said it. And the guy that actually yelled it wouldn't leave. And so my dad, just so that the kids could play, my dad left, even though he wasn't the one, like I would have been shocked if whatever was said came out of my dad's mouth, but my dad left just so that the game could go on. So it's, it's definitely, you know, disheartening when parents put themselves above the kids and above the game. Yeah. No, I, I've seen times where, you know, things get heated and stuff like that. And, you know, we need to keep ourselves calm and selected because it's our energy on the sideline projects onto the kids on the field and it can make them nervous or, you know, be more aggressive when they maybe don't necessarily need to be. And then they start chipping at people and playing dirty or something. And, you know, so it's, it's definitely, definitely difficult to see those people that kind of get themselves riled up. I try and, I try and wrangle in people and, um, a lot of the sideline or a lot of the games that I sit on the sidelines for my husband's the coach or my brother-in-law has been the coach. And so I try and stay away from the parents just because I don't necessarily, because I'm the coach's wife, I don't want people to see me talking to other parents and thinking that they're getting yeah. favoritism—that kind of a thing. So I don't really mesh with a lot of the parents. Like I'll be, I'll be friendly and cordial, but I don't go and sit and chat with everybody, and we don't go out to dinner and things like that because I don't want people to get the wrong idea. You know, even though we've had some really great parents and really great support on the teams that my kids specifically have been involved in. And, you know, the other teams that my husband coaches where I don't have kids on it, you know, I've had relationships with them, but again, I've tried to keep myself away from the dr- parents and the drama just because I don't want to have to be involved in it. I don't really want to know what's going on. And, um, like I said, I don't want people to feel like they're being favored because I talk to somebody, even though I'm not even the coach, like I wouldn't have any sway you know (laughs) of anything that the coaches are doing right Um, because that's that's their own thing but I mean my husband with some of the teams that he's coached where he's had former professional soccer players kids play on his teams he had um, Mike Petkey who was a former coach of RSL when he was coaching here for Real Salt Lake when his son was playing for my husband's team you know and people would probably think like that his kid's going to be favored or why doesn't he go over and yell, but he, you know, for the most part the games that he could go to, he would sit away from the field because he didn't want to be by the parents and he would keep his mouth shut. Like he wouldn't coach from the sidelines. So there's been, you know, people who have been in those positions and they know how to act on the sideline. You know, they want to be respected in their job and they're respecting the coaches in their jobs. So it's, it's, it's really good examples from them for, for good protocol.
1: You mentioned favoritism. Would you say as a coach who has their own children on their team, would you say that you're harder on your own kids than the other kids?
0: Yeah. I actually had a parent um, whose daughter is on the team that I coach and he had no idea that my daughter was my daughter. Like she doesn't really look like me. She looks identical to my husband and she's got, I've got blonde hair. He has dark hair, a darker complexion, and that's kind of how she is. She's got brown eyes, I'm blonde hair, blue eyes, fair skin. And anyway, he had no idea that she was my daughter. And that, that same thing happened with my husband and one of our sons, like they didn't know that he was the kid that he was our kid because you know, we don't do the favoritism thing. I definitely, I mean, I don't think my husband coaches our son any harder than anybody else. He treats them equally. And but sometimes I might be a little bit harder on my daughter. And so I try not to do that with her. Like I've I've taught myself and I'm like, Oh, I can't, you know, I can't do that. Cause I want her to keep liking soccer, but I also don't want to like pick on her. I guess you could say so. Yeah.
1: Totally understand. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I've only ever coached my son when he did like youth basketball and T-ball. Everything else I've pretty much stayed away from because I never really wanted to. I,
0: mm-hmm. got,
1: I, I coached so many other people's children that I was like, you know what? I want to sit back and and watch mine and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A, as a youth player, for you personally,
0: mm-hmm. what
1: what's the moment in youth sports that sticks out in your memory that you remember most as your best experience growing up?
0: My, one of my most memorable, um, I would say it was, can't remember what tournament was. It was just a local tournament, but I had friends that played on several different teams. And, um, a girl that I grew up with, we went to elementary, middle school, high school together. She played on the high school team. She was a goalkeeper and we played against their team and I, I was a defender, um, it might've been a holding mid at this point or a defensive mid, but, uh, I scored on her from almost the out of line. I ball got cleared out to me and I was, I, I don't necessarily think I was trying to shoot the ball, but I was trying to put it back in play in the box where it had just come from. And I ended up scoring on her. And so that was kind of like, that was a fun thing for me. Just, just because I kind of gave her a little bit of a teasing afterward, but. She was out of position and and it ended up going in. But that that was for me because I didn't score a lot um, as a defensive player, mostly in my career. I didn't score a lot, but that was definitely one of my best fun memories for me. I mean, right, I have so, a lot of random memories,
1: So but let's that was go, definitely
0: my favorite.
1: Let's go the opposite. What would you say was your least favorite? Like your worst childhood memory from uh youth sports.
0: Worst childhood memory from youth sports. I would say when I was a freshman, we were at a tournament in Las Vegas and I got injured and I I had never been injured before, and it wasn't like I had to get subbed out of the game. I didn't play the rest of the game. I wasn't really sure what was going on with my knee and I did end up playing the next day, but that was definitely, since it was like the first time that that had happened, it was definitely mentally unsettling for me. Um, I I would say that was probably the worst. I mean, Luckily, I didn't tear anything, but it was an MCL um, thing and it was just strained, but I was... I was really lucky with what happened. The field had been wet, but that was, it was difficult. I mean, injuries are always difficult for people. And that was, that was a difficult one for me.
1: Yeah. Cause especially when you've never been through it, you don't know about the recovery (laughs) and managing your, your time back. You try to rush yourself. Cause I always did. I was, I was always like, I need to go play. I can't let my teammates down. Like my, uh, I guess my worst experience growing up would be my senior year of football. I, uh, I got appendicitis the last week of two days. Uh-huh. And I lost. I lost my starting position on offense and defense. And uh, after about six, I came back after about three weeks. It was supposed to take a mm-hmm. month, but then I had to sit and watch for six games. I never got my spot back. And by the time I was given a shot, I was done. I quit. I was like, I'm done with <laughs> this. This is this is stupid. Like I lost my spot because something that wasn't my fault. Like I yeah,
0: got, I mean, it was terrible. Yeah, I I remember it was my last tournament before I was done playing, um, youth soccer and I was in California and I got subbed out and I never really ever got subbed out. And the girl that was coming to the team to replace me, basically they, you know, they subbed her in. And I, I remember that feeling like I shouldn't be getting subbed out. I was, I was really upset because I, I think since it was my last hurrah with the team, I wanted to play every minute of every game kind of a thing. And yeah, I remember personally, I was not, yeah I was not very happy about that, but it was kind of like I was leaving. She does, you know, deserve the time she came to the tournament too, kind of a thing. And, and, uh, but I, I definitely, that's, that's another one that sticks out for me.
1: Yeah. Later that year, I uh, I was reading the newspaper as a senior in high school and I found an article that said players should never lose their position due to injury. So I cut it out and I gave it to this girl I was friends with. She was an office aide. And I told mm-hmm. her to put it in the coach's box. And she did. And she goes, mm-hmm. he was there when I was loading the box. I said, did he look at it? She says, he looked at it. I said, what did he do? She goes, his face totally changed. I was like, I guarantee you he, know- he knows who it was from. I was so upset with him, yeah. man. But, um So, what's a what's one story from your show you would like to share? We got a couple minutes left.
0: Um, I definitely my most recent episode it was episode six, and I interviewed a kid named J.C. Sanchez, and his story is just unreal. He's a goalkeeper, and he is down in Mexico currently, and. Looking, you know, he's trying to play professionally. He signed a professional contract with a lower level team and he's looking to move his way up. But his journey and the experiences that he's had, and all of the obstacles that he's had to go through, as far as like he was, you know, going to be signed by this academy or he was going to be signed by this team. And then, literally, in the 12th hour, it ended up not happening. But his perseverance to keep going after his goal. And reaching that is, is just awesome. Like he, it's such a good example of just going after what you want and not giving up and just keeping that mental clarity and knowing that, you know, sometimes it really isn't your fault that you're not getting what you wanted. Like he was there doing all the right things. And then, you know, stuff that was out of his control happened and he ended up not getting signed at different places, but he, I mean, it, it was, it's really awesome. Like I didn't know his whole story. I only knew bits and pieces of it because he had played, you know, here in Salt Lake and he was with the RSL Academy and then he went to a couple different places, but it, it's, it's awesome. And he just played in a game yesterday. I don't, I don't know what happened in the game yesterday. I wasn't able to watch it, but I mean, it's just awesome that he's been able to accomplish that and in his dreams and goals and his parents are fully supportive of what he's doing and it's it's just awesome.
1: Yeah, you know, I wanted to translate for my my listeners. She said JC Sanchez in Texas. We it's JC Sanchez. So I don't know some uh-huh. of my listeners might be confused They're like who Sanchez? How do you spell that? Sanchez, <laughs> mm-hmm. guys. JC Sanchez. Yeah, and, it's uh, and- the, the, the the it looks like soccer also appears to be just a lot like everything else. It's being in the right place at the right time, having the right connections and networking. And it comes mm-hmm. down a lot to who you know, because there's millions of talented players that never get found
0: mm-hmm. because it, they don't have the sure. money
1: or the resources.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure. So, I mean, that's another another American thing for at least American soccer is is the it's it's all about who you know, and that's another thing that I don't necessarily like. I wish that the player's talent would just speak for itself. There's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that goes on that. You know, some people whose kids are really talented, they don't want to have to deal with that crap. And so they, they really just want their kids to go on their own merit. They don't, they don't have time to go and email all these coaches and try and get recruited to an academy or, you know, brown knows who, whoever. So, I mean, that, that does kind of suck for the kids who are talented. I'm not saying that kids that have gotten where they are aren't also talented, but, you know, maybe they had that leg up because they knew somebody at at something or their parents knew somebody. So, so that, that's, that's kind of how it is. I guess Yeah, you a, pretty, say. a pretty good example
1: mm-hmm. would be, I, I think the most, the best U S soccer player, men's soccer player ever was Clint Dempsey. If If you ever read about his childhood, his parents drove him two hours each way to practice. There's not mm-hmm. there. If his parents were unable to do that, we would never have known who Clint Dempsey was. Yeah, it mean, never would have been the way never would have turned out the way it did for him.
0: Yeah, and it's awesome for parents that are able to sacrifice for that and be able to provide that for those kids. Yeah, it's yeah. To be able to do that.
1: So, Katie, we are almost at the end. I want you to uh, give your details out where my listeners can check your show out, if you would.
0: Um, go to Ticket with Katie podcast on Instagram. There's underscores between all the words, but that's where you can find my show link and information on the people that I've interviewed photos of them from their experiences. And you can reach me via email at kickitwithkatiepod it at gmail.com. But so those are, those are my, my basic contacts and you can just find it on any, anywhere you get your podcast, kick it with Katie podcasts or kick it with Katie, a soccer podcast on just any any listening platform, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon.
1: Yeah, so. it's pretty easy to get them distributed nowadays. And uh, yeah. K- Katie's listeners, we will play RSL once or twice this year. So you can tune into our preview and post game after we mop the floor with them. Because I think this is <laughs> well, new new dynamo this year, man. Whole new team. We're excited.
0: Yeah, yeah. I actually just interviewed one of the RSL players, um, Zach Farnsworth. So he's... Um, I, I just interviewed him for one of my episodes that's going to come out in a couple weeks so it'll be fun to hear his story as well too
1: I bet I bet he's got some good ones mhm well boys and girls that does it for us we are out of time uh, thank you Katie for coming on I really appreciate it
0: okay thank you
1: and uh, to my listeners as always go dynamo the far post. can he get a shot off it's ferrera to get his second yes he does goes in off the hands of jt marson kowski sebas ferrera has picked up the second it's four to two houston dynamo shout out to my favorite band familiar with failure for the introductory music you can find them at fwftx on all social media platforms once again that's familiar with failure check them out badass band cool ass people